Hello, hello, hello. We are The Recipe and we are back. I am your girl, Chelsea. I'm Mika. And I'm Stormy. And today we have a special guest, businesswoman, entrepreneur, and therapist, Miss Brittany. How yes, are you today? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm of so excited course. today. Yes, we are too. <laughs> we are so excited for her because we, um, what'd you say, Mika? We moonlight as therapists. <laughs> and so we actually have a real therapist on. So before mm-hmm. we get into these questions with her, we're going to recap our week. So how was everyone's week? Mika, how was your week? Pretty good. Had a good week. Definitely had a good week. What did you do? Um, still working from home. Same old spiel. Uh, what did I do Monday? Just working from home, relaxing, really, and preparing for the podcast. What's up? Same me. Um, I actually am on vacation this week, so I have been, um, I don't know, chilling with y'all. Cause we, oh, we had an event. We didn't even talk about that. See, my mind we, uh, um, we hosted our second red carpet event for a movie um, for Tracy. And they Laced. invited, yeah, it was called Lace. Um, it was a movie based on her life. So we were in the building for that. Um, just doing the red carpets, um, acting a fool like we normally do. We actually had a really, really good time, met some really interesting people. Um, and I mean, that was really it, right? Like, yes. Just kind of like vibed out to that. So shout out to them. Thank you guys for having us. Brittany, what did you do? Uh, I just, well, my birthday was last Friday. Virgo season. Virgo, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So I just um, had a a lot, a lot of food on Friday. Um, Went out to eat, dinner with friends, and then... Uh, we really did. We just went to Papacitos. And you know what? Because we were going to go see Kev on stage. So we went right there off of I-10. Okay, yeah. And then um, the amount of food I got delivered to my house was crazy. So... Because people know I like to eat. Me too. So, <laughs> so they just send me a whole bunch of food. And then uh, the weekend, I just refused to get off my couch the rest of the weekend. Yeah. So it was rest and relaxation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. 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 I like good. your voice. I like the way you talk. It's very soothing. Oh, thank you. Like, a therapist. Like, I know. Close your eyes and just be like, you know, I know. Just... You put us at ease already. I know. I'm, I'm ready for this talk. One. Okay. <laughs> storm is storm. Sunday, fun day queen. What did you do? <sighs> Outside was a person. What did you do? <laughs> um, Friday, I, I went to go see Candyman. And that was pretty cool. It wasn't, I'm usually not into scary movies. I'm definitely against it. I really don't watch scary movies, but it was cool. It really wasn't scary at all. Um, and on Saturday, of course, it was hanging out with you guys. I also went to Steve, um, owner of 5015 and a, a bunch of others. He has a new restaurant. It's actually a Mexican restaurant. What's the name? Um, Where's it located? It's on right up it's, the street. Um, it's on Alameda. Yeah, it's up the street. Yeah, I've seen it. I just can't uh, think of the name either. It's yellow. Yes. The yellow building. Okay. So um I'll tell you next time. <laughs> but um it actually was good. Um okay. he's actually bought it. It's been there since like nineteen fifty three or something like wow. that. So um a lot of the same workers they wanted to stay to keep the job. So he's about to like knock it down and redo the whole entire thing. So it's gonna be a lot, it's gonna be like Upstairs, downstairs, gonna be like dope. different stuff. So you know him; he got a lot of things going on. That was pretty dope. And um, Sunday, I chilled for half the Sunday, and then I really wasn't gonna really wasn't gonna get out. My son had baseball; he wanted to be a baseball mom. And um, at the day, I just was like, "All right, let's get out." So um, of course, we went to Fifty Fifteen. Uh, they had a concert, but it was like who the We I'm from like the '80s. These people was like. For my time, so I was really like, mm, 
What, what kind of songs was being sung? Y'all would know, but I don't really remember. The Gap Band and stuff like that? <laughs> no, it's like hip-hop. Oh, okay. So um, that was pretty cool. That was, that was chilling. Preparing for I can today. definitely see you as like a, a baseball ball mom with baseball like your, mom with the shirt tied up though you uh-huh. you go baseball hat. right but the shirt got to be tied up uh-huh. showing a little midriff that's storming so you had fun but yeah cool so okay so what we talking about today y'all we're we got gonna get we're, on this, we got so. the therapist I you know I'm excited for this episode. And I'm excited, and I was kind of nervous because they always be teasing me like, oh, you wasn't hugged as a child, and you wasn't this <laughs> and this and that. So I'm happy that you're on. So we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it. So how long have you been a therapist, and what made you want to go into this field? Um, Well, I've been licensed since 2014. I graduated from, I got my master's from U of H, um, and so I've been licensed since then. And I, I always say my field chose me. Um, mm. It's just natural um, from, you know, a child. Um, people want to talk to me, people want to tell me their problems. And um, I always say I have an old soul. So having wisdom and insight and being able to see things from a different perspective, that's always come like second nature. So um, by the time I decided to go into or become a therapist, it was really like, okay, well, what else are you going to do? Because this is this is the only thing that makes sense for you. Your calling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. So, um, of course, we put the flyer up mm-hmm. on social media. We're having a therapist today. We do talk about a lot of like healing trauma mm-hmm. on the show and things like that. And we got a lot of like feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yes, yes. So people were actually DMing me and was like, how do we choose the right therapist? Mm-hmm. How do you know if you're being challenged enough by your therapist? Mm-hmm. So these are questions that <laughs> our followers yeah, yeah, want yeah. to know. Oh, and does race matter? Yep. Um, It depends. It depends on the person. So, Therapy is definitely not a one-size-fits-all. Every therapist is not a one-size-fits-all. I tell people all the time, I'm not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to really know um, there are different types of therapists, right? So you really have to know enough about yourself to know, okay, what what do I want to work on? And what kind of therapist do I want to go to? Um, I specialize in trauma. I've always done trauma treatment from my first job at MD Anderson. I was treating patients who were at end of life. And so mm. all of my patients, you know, they had, did all of their treatment options. They had no more options. And so they come to me to cope with the fact that their life is about to end. And I went from that and then I went into PTSD. So treating combat veterans who have been in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, teaching them how to come back home, reconnect, communicate um, and function in society when they're not in a combat in a combat zone anymore. Um, and then while I was doing that, I was also working inpatient psychiatric um, at different hospitals throughout the city, um, helping women. I had a women's unit and they would come start work with me Friday all the way until Sunday. And we would work on everything under the sun <laughs> when wow. you're in that setting. So I've always done intense trauma treatment. So that means I'm a different type of therapist. Yeah, all the way, all across the board. <laughs> yes. Um, my, um, when people come to me, they're definitely going to get the compassion. They're going to get the love. They're going to get um, the, the, the empathy that comes with being able to do trauma treatment effectively. But it's also challenging. So I'm not the therapist that you're going to be able to sit here and talk for sessions on sessions on sessions and we don't get anywhere. Um, um, so I'm the therapist that will say, hey, I feel like, you know, We've been we've been on this topic for a while. What are we learning or where, where can we start applying new skills? So it really depends on you and what you're looking for. But at the end of the day, I always tell people that you will know that therapy is good for you. And one, you feel heard, you feel understood, you feel supported, but you also feel very uncomfortable. 
when you leave your therapy sessions, you should be uncomfortable. <laughs> why though? Because the point of going to therapy is the reason why when we go to the gym, I want to cuss out my trainer. Because when he tells me to do these burpees or do deadlifts or do whatever, the exercise is stretching muscles in my body that is painful, right? Mm -hmm. That it's causing my muscles to break down so that they can be rebuilt and be stronger. When you go to therapy, we have to break down your mindset, break down your emotions and your emotional walls so that you can feel the emotions you've been blocking out, process the thoughts that you've been shutting out. And that's going to be real uncomfortable when you have to confront how you really feel and what you really think instead of watering it down with the lies we tell ourselves to be, to be uncomfortable in our unhappy places. Okay. Say that. I'm feeling that because honestly, like um, maybe like last week, I've been thinking about it for a long time. I always tell them when I was younger, I did go to therapy. Mm -hmm. um, when I was like, probably like seven, eight, nine, I was going to therapy, but I haven't been as an adult. And mm -hmm. last week I was like driving to work and I was just like, you know, I really need to talk to somebody mm -hmm. because I've, I've been starting to kind of become more in tune with myself. And I'm like, it's something that's not right. And Stormy and them, they'll tell you, like, even with like personal relationships with friends and stuff, like I just cut people off. I don't have conversations. I just be like, okay, I'm done with you. Like, mm -hmm. so I can accept that. I know I need to talk to somebody, but I just don't know. Like you just Google and just be like, hello, like, um, I want you. And then I asked about the race thing because I was talking to my coworker about it too. And he was just like, y'all always make stuff about race. But I just feel like wouldn't a black woman identify better with like a black therapist or like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you should. It really depends. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I can't compare it to me because I've had therapists who are black. I've had therapists who are not black. And by the way, the best therapists have their own therapist. So when you are talking to a therapist and you're interviewing them, it's asking them, hey, who, do you have your own therapist? How do you unpack your... How, exactly. Yeah. So the best therapists know they prioritize their own mental health so that they can have space to hold for you when you show up for your sessions. Where's your release? Exactly. Um, so it really doesn't... To me, the only time race plays a factor is if you have trauma related to race or if you're someone who identifies very strongly to your black womanhood, right? And for me, I would say that I don't have that experience because I <laughs> I was different growing up, mm -hmm. but I was the one who refused to go to HBCU. I was like, no, I'm, you know, I know black people, um, yeah. grew mm -hmm. up with them. Um, mm -hmm. I want I a different really experience. Yeah. So I diversified at a very young age, right? So therefore this is what makes me effective as a therapist because I can treat more than just black people, but I can treat white people, Hispanic people. But if you know, for sure that you identify very heavily in black culture, mm -hmm. then yes, having a, a very black therapist is going to be what you look for. Heavily in black See culture. me either. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it wouldn't, I was just wondering, because that was always mm -hmm. the question, because even um, one of my friends, she watches this show and she recently mm -hmm. went to therapy and they were telling her she needs to find mm -hmm. somebody because she's Indian, yeah. her husband's black, and they told her she probably needs to find like a therapist of her you know, race or whatever to probably help her more. I don't really know why. But and they, it depends. If you that. have trauma related to race, then mm -hmm. it would be better to, to get a therapist that identifies with your culture. Because when I'm processing, that's like a lot of people who are affected by the um, George Floyd um, murder, the um, any other catastrophe we've had to watch on TV, right? So if you know that that's your experience, then going to a black therapist is better because I can't, it's hard to process racial trauma with a white therapist because it means that at some point you're going to have to be challenged. And I will trust a black therapist to challenge me before I trust a white therapist to challenge me. Right. 
Because if a white therapist challenges you, you're like, she just doesn't understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you don't know what I'm going through. Or she's stretching you. Yeah. Right. And it's already it's difficult to be stretched in the first place. And then to be stretched by someone I already have a bias against. It's even harder. It's not something I don't even think that if I was to be with a white or a different race therapist, I wouldn't even talk about anything that's like culturism you know, or anything like that, mm-hmm. because like I automatically think like you can relate to what I'm even saying. So why are we going to even have that type of topic? So it mm-hmm. would be off subject. That wouldn't even well, I think, and it's knowing, it's having, like, the the reason why I think it's great to diversify is because while I'm not Indian, mm-hmm. I have a lot of Indian clients, and I understand their culture, mm-hmm. right, to where certain, even Afri- um, people from with African parents, how they are sheltered in a certain type of way, they have certain expectations that is way different from American children. Absolutely. Right? So they just have to understand your experience as a woman in America, I think it does happen because, you know, in certain black families, um, many of the my patients who come to me say, you know, in our household, what they tell you, what happens in our house stays in here. That's a black experience. Right. Yep. Right. That's not something a, a white therapist would, ne- would necessarily just know automatically. But do they work with enough black people to know? Like, to I've, know. St- I've studied this before. Exactly. So I know exactly where you're coming from. Right. Exactly. You use good examples, too. Exactly. Mamas did say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what goes on in here stays in here. Don't go telling them people what's going on in our house. So exactly. I want to ask you a question. So you work with different people. What types of insurances do you do you guys? Uh, well, do I so am- I'm say this before you even go further, <laughs> further, further, because I do. Uh, my sister works for the post office. So we're for the post office. Um, anybody that's in your household, you guys, you can get free sessions off. I think it's like um, 10 free sessions with the EAP day. program. So. Yeah. Like they gave like so I have a number and they're like okay find someone in our um, network mm-hmm. yeah. network, but they gave me like a list and I literally I felt so bad to even say this on the phone and I was like, so can you just send me any black people? <laughs> like, you just said it just now. No, no, or no. you can do your own research. No, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it was in the network, so I'm like I already just lowered it down for me. So because she's like looking at this whole chart, like what do you just like you said you just go. Oh, oh yeah, in the middle of this point, so there are people, black girls. That's where I found mine. Are you on that type of? Network? Um, so I'm not. Mm. Most of my most, and I will say, just because of my own private practice, I'm private pay, mm. so I actually don't take insurance. Okay, but there are a lot of therapists who do, mm-hmm. and typically they are going to be on different directories like therapy for black girls uh melanin and mental health is another one that's black and brown, um, and then just you know all the the was it therapy. I'm not sure the other. Yeah, I see it in my so head. You must have a lot of clients. You good then? <laughs> well, if you just said, and I don't take insurance, then good. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> do you want to share why you don't? Um, well, it's not the easiest thing. So it's, yeah. as far as payment and paperwork, and yeah, it's a lot harder. And then what I also do so. I have the benefit of being able to do both therapy and coaching. So coaching and therapy are two two different genres, basically how you think of music. They're two different things with, with two different um, speeds in mind. So I tell people when you think about what, any type of growth you want to do, because there are a lot of coaches out here who do, you know, a lot of things related to healing and, and growth. And I specialize in mindset and confidence. Right. So a lot of the women who are coming to me are really working on recreating who they are. Right. Having gone through their own life challenges, their own traumas, and they're ready to start actually creating the woman that they see in their head. And sometimes I'm helping them identify who is that woman so that we can grow into her. 
Um, so when you talk about taking this journey, I always tell them you have to identify what speed you want to go. You can take the journey in a red Corvette or you can take the family van, right? Therapy is the family van because it's a lot slower paced. It's going to give you time to process. It's going to give you time to think about some things and make some valuable connections. So that journey is going to be a lot slower. The red Corvette is coaching. And that's because with coaching, it's very action-based, right? That means that we're going to identify what the issues are, what are the breakdowns, what are solutions, and then you're hold, held accountable for meeting those and implementing skills and tools to get the desired outcome. Both of them are beneficial. Everybody is not a, is not a good fit for coaching. There are some people who come to me for coaching, and I'm like, you need therapy first because you haven't done the unpacking necessary to, to move at the, the rate and the speed that the red Corvette is going to require. Some people aren't ready for action. Some people need to unpack before they can start putting action. Maybe that's why. Maybe I need to come see you. I'm just going ahead and pay my little money. I'm liking what she's saying. I'm going ahead and pay my little So I've been going to therapy for about three years. Mm-hmm. How do you know that you've outgrown your therapist? Mm-hmm. If you've outgrown your therapist, like you've done the amount of work to mm-hmm. get to a certain place. Now you feel like what's what's next? When was the last time you had an aha moment? When was the last time that you had that you felt like you had a breakthrough moment? And when was the last time that you actually took something from therapy and implemented it in your life? I think that was a question. No, and, <laughs> and I, well, well, well that, that's no, what you want to ask no, yourself. No, exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Right. And that's why I'm just things? like, wow, when, when was the last time? I f- and I've been like going through this because I feel like what, what's next? I need to be challenged more. Like and she's gotten me and to a certain say to her like, Okay, I think I'm fixed. Well, no, that's, that's honestly a conversation. That, that's a transparent conversation that you want to have with her and say, hey, it's been a year, you know, since I felt like I had an aha moment. Where do you think I'm at? Where do, where, based on where we are and what we've talked about and what we've worked on, what do you think the next natural step will be? Um, all therapists, as we, we get our licenses, says that we will do no harm, which means that if we ever identify that our patient no longer needs our expertise, that we will agree to sit down with you and have a termination plan, right? To say, hey, I think you've done great work. You know, the next 30 days, let's work on your transition. Because the goal is not for you to be in therapy consistently forever, right? right? Therapy is kind of like um, going to the masseuse. Mm -hmm. You know, you get come in and get maintenance, right? But you will know that you're doing well when you should be able to adapt to life, adapt to life challenges and have tools. That's the purpose of therapy. Let me get the skills that I need to be successful, Mm -hmm. implement those skills, make progress. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I'm making progress with this part of my life, I should be good until the next crisis happens or the next transition happens. And then I'll come back. (laughs) Right. I feel like I need a you know how you go through grades, kindergarten, first grade. I feel like I need the next I've graduated from like you've gotten me to this point. We've unpacked these things. Mm-hmm. Now I need to be challenged Absolutely. more. Like Absolutely. And w- that could be where coaching comes in as your next step. Right. Because with me, I work with all of my ladies, ladies, when they come in, uh, we talk about I'm very big on vision and purpose. You know, everybody, I feel like everyone here on this earth is built to do something great and amazing. So what is your great and amazing thing that you need to put out in this earth and what action steps do we need to take to get there? And so for some women, it's, I don't know what's great and amazing about me. Okay, well, we're going to figure that out, right? And teach them how to slowly start walking into that version of who they are, which is so much more powerful and effective. Come on, Miss Brittany Noel. Because listen, (laughs) I'm thinking the same thing. I don't know if I need that. I just probably need some coaching. Because I'm I'm like, I'm... Honestly, you, myself, you, I know no, what's no, wrong no, with me. No, 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 no
I don't need therapy. I need therapy and then I need the coach. I'm, I'm not like, even going to play myself and In my mind, I know. You're going your mind. No, but I recognize it. I know I have problems. And I've had people who come to me. So is it to the point where therapy is like recognizing that you are the issue? Or recognizing you are the problem? Because like she's like, when was the last time you had an aha moment? I feel like I'm at a, I, I can recognize when I've been like the whole from 33 to 34 that whole year. <laughs> I feel like, okay, Chelsea, it's you sometimes. Like it's probably you a little bit. Like I can recognize so like, then with say, the friendships that we But have you about. unpacked everything? I unpack them on this show all the time. No. So, I, so with therapy. Your childhood, have you fixed that? How you feel? How you not you don't want to hug. You still don't want to hug. You haven't fixed anything. So cut it out. <laughs> no, no, keep on. I, I still, but I feel like you can be fixed and still just don't want to hug. I don't want to hug. I don't think that means I need help. I just don't want to hug. Like, that makes me uncomfortable. Why <laughs> well, see, and the, and the question would be, how well do you do with intimacy? Because your mm. physical your physical repulsion to physical touch is just mm. your way of having an emotional wall that you haven't brought down yet. So how, how close do you let people actually get to you emotionally? Um, I don't. I don't think too close. I don't. So what about even in your house? What do you, like... We, we we're are talking ready. about it. So you're um, you're having sex. Do you guys do you get hugged? Do you get yeah, hugged? Yeah, I like mean, that? I you... already told y'all like we don't go in public and hold hands. Mm-hmm. We don't. We're not like I don't want to hold hands. Um, I don't want to hug. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything. Like you know, here and there, I'm like hey, babe, you know. Mm-hmm. But not every day. I don't want to hug. I'm just cool with knowing that you're here and I'm here in the companionship. And he, like, and what if he wants more, but you just really don't what, know. want more hugs or like just more of you. I mean, I can do it, but I just you think you need to heal. To. You're not. He- I'm he not just- healed it. So just because I don't want to hug and not affection. No, but what about your partner? What if you you're only worried about you? Because me, I could say everything that you're saying. I know for sure. Like, what about my partner? Because my partner screams in my head like, "Hey, I'm here too. Are you thinking about yourself? Yeah, yeah. you don't want to be hugged, okay, but what about I, me? I do. Maybe I do need Brittany, to hug. Put your put your business card <laughs> in this seat right here, man. <laughs> Yes. Yes. She wanna cut you short and don't wanna go to four. Maybe she you ain't learned how to read you just get pre-K kindergarten. You trying to get to third grade, don't know how to read and write. I just I I do wanna go. I just don't know where to start. But um Start by sitting here. You said start by what? Showing up. And sitting in the coach. Um, Hi, I'm Chelsea, and I have a problem. And she gonna she gonna go right there. That's all it starts. I'm definitely playing. We, I'm not gonna sit here and say I need coaching. I need the healing, the help, the everything. I need to put it all in. So I'm not. But that takes a show. lot for you to even sit here and say I need help. I need mm-hmm. healing. I need that takes because a lot. I know, like, I was at a space for a long well, time where because, nothing wrong with me. Yeah. We sit here no, I and I could say I could say like us having this show and being on this show. Every episode I open up about something new or someone on this seat might be like, damn, I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's like I identified. And when I rewatch it, I'd be like, damn, I really said that on there. Like things that I've gone through as a kid. So it's nothing for me to be ashamed of and be like, hey, I don't need help or I need help. I could scream that and say that. And that's the adult part, because a lot of us, like you say, are scared to see a therapist and scared to do these things. I'm not scared. It's more so like you, Chelsea, more so like. Who do I go to and where to start? Yeah. But as yeah. you sit on this show, hey, I done found the person who I need to go yeah. to and need to start. So it's more, it was always that for me because yeah. like my sister's been with the post office two years. I've had the opportunity for two years to do it. And every time they've called and said, hey, um, have you seen one yet? And I'm mm-hmm. like, no. Because I haven't and they always check. 
the lady that was next to me, she was a therapist. Um, the lady that in my building, she moved, but she was next to me, and I would listen. But she has the walks where it's mm -hmm. like fog because they play like you really can't hear, but I can hear the white them. noise. <laughs> so I'm like, and people in there just telling their lives, and she just be like, so I'm like, I don't think I want to see her. Cause I gotta see her every day. Yeah, so every day she would yeah. be like, you just let me know. You can inspire. But seeing her every day, like you feel like she's gonna be like. She's, She's a psychopath. So there's that? boundaries. No. So I'm even the person, like I'll have people who know me, but I, if I know I have to see you outside yeah, of I my, I won't see you. So I've had yeah. people who at my gym are like, hey, I want to talk to you. No. <laughs> because you're coming in my space too. And I got you guys. No. Because one, I mean, the gym is where I decompress. Yeah. So I can't be here yeah. worried about your emotional state while yeah. I'm working out. Yeah. And at the same time, it's, it's just different boundaries. Right. So, yeah. And that's what some people don't understand is that, that you need to have boundaries in order to have an effective yeah, lifestyle. But yeah, so it, I don't it, think I could, I could, I, for me, it was like, I'm pushing too close. Like she's my next door. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. wouldn't, I so wouldn't I'm even offer like, that. And she asking me and she's you. on the network Yeah, and mm. I'm just like, yeah, and then you wouldn't feel like you should open up fully. Yeah. She next door, but I see her cause she comes, she's in the next building. She might pass me her info. But she was good. Like, man, she did some, Bring so I don't know, therapist, like, like she did some yeah. hypnotizing to my, yeah. a friend of mine to really adapt into her life, like to really take yeah. it back to a kid. Mm -hmm. So she, she was in her head, she was back to being that little girl. Yeah. And so she was able to talk about it and really let it out. So when she had came and said that to me, I was really like, that's doing, I need to see her. Like, cause I yeah. need to tap into my younger life to just to know who I really am today because my younger life is really affecting who I am today. And we don't, a so, lot of parents do not realize the SHIT that y'all have done to us. We have to undo it. <laughs> Let me adults. tell you something. Every time my mom, I'll be on the phone with her and I'll be hearing like that, that. She's like, yeah, propane. I'm watching propane. I remember him. I remember that song. And I'm like, man, if you don't get your ass out, what's <laughs> Because she's like, every time I talk to her, she's like, you're always making me seem like I was just horrible. No, you were the best mom. I always say that. But like Chelsea said, I wasn't doing getting the hugs and the mm -hmm. love that you may need. So that affected me as a kid. So in my relationship, mm -hmm. I am more guarded off because that mm -hmm. didn't happen to me. Yeah. So for my son, I remember. So every time I'd be thinking like, all right, he went upstairs. All right, hey, sorry, come back down. Let me give you a hug because yeah. I don't never want him to be like really going through the shit. Like I could be probably way better right. in life. That yeah. I am, if I could just take that away. So for me, the hypnotizing thing, I think, would like, hey, tap into my younger self and be like, what kind of therapy is that with hypnotizing? Like, um, speak on that. I've seen oh, it on I've seen it stuff. on movies, but I've never. Uh, it's it's not as I think as uh, uh, theatrical as they as they do it in movies. <laughs> but really, what she's doing is. Um, we call it a state of, of mindfulness, right? And being mindful is when you are focused on just right now in the moment, right? And you can be mindful in different ways, but mindfulness helps when you want to get in touch with emotions that haven't been processed, thoughts that have not been processed, and even experiences that you have not processed or blocked out. And so it's really the art of sitting down with someone and you're with a therapist who is trained to do this, <laughs> but they guide you through different scenarios that allows you to go back to that little girl and experience it in an authentic way without the defense mechanisms that we use to block it out or make it okay or make it go away or feel numb towards it. Right. And so it's, the reason why like a therapist has to be present and I tell people this all the time is that when you're doing true 
work, especially in your childhood and traumatic incidences, all of those emotions flood you as if it just happened again, mm-hmm. right? And you need someone there that's going to actually teach you how to process those emotions when they come up. Because if you don't, what happens is we default back to bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And what most of our parents modeled for us was bad behavior, mm-hmm. right? And so how did you learn how to, how to block out your emotions when they told you stop crying? When they told you to suck it up to our next thing, when they told you, you know, stop acting oh, like a baby. Don't be weak. You're too sensitive. Oh. Right. So you learn how to shut down your emotions. Like, from Mom, I am sensitive. Like, like, <laughs> so now that you, yeah. talk, that you talk about that, that brings us to our next one um, about like, why are a lot of Afri- African-Americans scared to go to therapy and then like undoing trauma and then men. Mm-hmm. So. The thing is, one, people don't know what trauma is. I think that, I mean, well, they don't know what therapy is and what it does. But one of the biggest things when people say, oh, I'm a therapist. Oh, so you be mind reading. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. For you, like, a quick, that's off topic, but is it, are you married? No. Is it hard to date? Absolutely. Well, do you, like, do you say that, like, someone, so what do you do? Yeah, are you very open to be like I'm a therapist? Mm-hmm. Super open. And does it be like oh? Because no. their response lets me know whether or not I can date you. Okay. Because if you're if emotionally you, <laughs> mature, right? If you are emotionally, and I've had men say, "Oh, I have a therapist too." Great answer, sir. Let's yes, talk that, about let's it. Let's talk about it, right? Because if you come to me and you say, "Oh, well, you know, therapy," you know, "Oh, you are mine," that lets me know that yeah, mentally awesome. we're not on the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We on on just two two different wavelengths. Thank you for this dinner, sir. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you for your time. <laughs> 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 right. So, no, I don't hide it at all. Okay. But um, I think that to answer your question, people don't understand what therapy is. I think that it's becoming a whole lot more mainstream now. Mm-hmm. There's um, positives and negatives to that. Because if I hear one more person say that they triggered mm-hmm. without knowing what triggered means. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, <laughs> or saying <laughs> they have anxiety without knowing what anxiety Maybe means. That's, that's our next that's one. Like that's the up norm there right now. Hey, don't even. I'm. So the thing is, is you want to know people do have to start educating themselves on what mental health is and how do I know if my mental health needs to be checked. Right. Um, That's just the basics. There's the base that the community needs to know. So they need to know what depression is. They need to know what anxiety is. But we cannot be taking these cues from people who were not educated in the field. Or people who go, went to therapy, learned some things, and then went and you know posted a video Moonlight. online. And now, well, and it's it's great to have like to hear something from you and then say, okay, let me go research that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the desired outcome you want to have. Or if she, if you hear something on a podcast or somewhere else, then take the initiative to say, okay, let me see how this applies to me, mm-hmm. instead of just diagnosing myself as it. So, um, what is the difference between a therapist and a psychiatrist? Medications. So they have the pharmaceuticals. It's very rare that you will find a psychiatrist that also does therapy and they do it well. I do know a few, um, but it's very rare. Typically, a, a psychiatrist will prescribe the medications, so anxiety medications, depression medications. Sometimes they don't have to do therapy because you know you just need they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for the most part, that's who you go to when you need medications. The best fit is to find a, a psych. They have them in different practices where the therapist and the psychiatrist work okay. in the same. Um, practice together that way they can communicate about what's happening I tell people I don't care what you think you're diagnosed with (laughs) there are very few things that medication actually fixes oh my gosh I'm with you on that yes unless it's an actual chemical imbalance right so with depression you can have a physical chemical imbalance which means your body is not producing certain hormones in order for you to be happy 
right, or feel normal unless it's bipolar disorder, a true diagnosis of bipolar disorder, which means your body cannot uh, regulate its own emotions. A medication can help for that. Schizophrenia medication can help for that. Um, with PTSD, PTSD is a anxiety-based uh, diagnosis, which means that anxiety is a normal propensity to worry about life. Or difficulty right? rationalizing things, right? Correct. When you get into PTSD. So the, the difference between regular anxiety and PTSD is that we all have anxiety is normal, right? But it becomes abnormal when it has taken over certain parts of your life where I'm, I'm afraid to go to Walmart because of what could happen, right? That's when you are now in a dysfunctional zone and it needs to be addressed, right? But to just have normal anxiety about, dang, you know, it's the first bills got to be paid. I'm going to talk on this. So our question is, what is anxiety? Mm -hmm. Why are so many people diagnosed themselves with it? Now, for me, I would say, um, all right, there was a time, maybe a couple of months ago, was a stressful, just stressful time in my life, and I just felt like, I felt like I was having a heart attack a bunch of times, right? So I would be driving, it would just, I, I don't know where it's like, I could look at my chest and just feel it like beating out, like, oh my God. So this happened like to me like three times, and I'm like, I would have to, like, you know, in your head, you'd be like, okay, calm down, calm down. Because I don't know what it is at this point. So I'm like, all right. So I would catch myself, like, chewing gum every time it happened, just kind of, like, take my focus off it and just mm -hmm. kind of just chew away, chew away, and it would, like, slowly go away. So at this point, it was like, this is the fourth time. I'm like, damn, I'm having a heart attack. Like, what mm -hmm. is going on? So I was like, man, I can't deal with this anymore. Let me go to, um, I'm fixing my credit. So I was not about to go to the hospital again. I said, let me go to urgent care and see what I can do. So. Of course, when you go in there, you're like, man, I'm having chest pain. Like, yeah. so they're going to do like an e EKG automatically, right? Mm -hmm. So they were like, man, we see it. We do see what you're seeing, but you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack, which is maybe cause you having anxiety. Is there something that is going on different? Or are you stressing over something? Or are you overthinking anything? And I was like, well, yeah, um, I'm going to have to like, travel out of the country for a while and I don't know when I'll be coming back so then they were like well there you go you, you, you are not having a panic attack you're having I mean you're not having a heart attack you have anxiety which is caused from a panic attack mm -hmm. so of course they were like well we can diagnose you with some pills and I'm like look mm -hmm. hey, I'm gonna, gonna be gone for a while <laughs> but I don't want something where I'm going to have to depend on this right where I'm gonna have to I do want to take it if it happens because mm -hmm. it was like, like, this is uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but I don't want something that's like, I need it. Where is it? You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was, I was like, he was like, well, we have something where he was like, the pill speaks to your mind or something like, like basically he was explaining to me, how does it work? We have one where your body won't need it. Um, you could just take it and it will calm you down, but it's just a seven day. It's not something that we could mm -hmm. diagnose you 30 days and you can keep going and the dose can get higher and higher. And then you're going to depend on this. Mm -hmm. So I did like, I was like, let me try one. Like, sir, just write me in seven days. Let's keep it as this because I do not want to get addicted. <laughs> so um, when he did that, God would, it would help me sleep. Mm -hmm. And like, he was like, just take it when you sleep. So when you wake up, your mind could be in balance, mm -hmm. like be balanced out. So your, your body will function correctly. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just take it, like, just to see, like, what, what happened. So I had took it, and it didn't happen, but then I had, like, 
Like, okay, let me not, let me not take it for these three days. Let me see if if it's if it's the pills working or if it's me just telling myself <laughs> now I know what's now I know what's going on. Right. Did it calm down? It's like three days later. It's almost time for me to pack my bags now. So I'm like, I feel it coming on. I guess I let me take this pill and see. So it's not gonna work like automatically. It's gonna have to like kick mm -hmm. in a little bit. Like maybe like an hour later, I feel because when I say this is lasting, it's lasting like for two hours until you like really like lay your head down and just kind of tell yourself, "Hey, calm down." So at that point, so when I say anxiety, am I having anxiety or am I just tripping? Right. So that is a natural response to a life change. Mm -hmm. Anxiety, where it becomes malfunction, is think of it like in college I drove a hoopty, okay? Because I was a college person struggling, yes. yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. Don't judge me, right? But it was something wrong with the radiator and I didn't have the money to get it fixed. So as I'm driving around town, what would happen after 30 minutes of driving? Mm -hmm. The car runs high, high. Mm -hmm. right? You have to keep a jug in your back seat. And put it oh, in I the kept one. Maybe you had one. So I would have to pull over and put water in the car <laughs> and just wait. <laughs> right, trying to get to my destination. So when you think about a panic attack is that overheating and it's not coming from an emotional place. And so this is where you said the pills speak to your mind, what the pills do, and that's too technical, but it, um, there are certain receptors in your brain that um, receive certain like um, dopamine, serotonin, but the same receptors that, that communicate anxiety to your brain, the medication is dulling those sensors. If you want to be able to control those automatically on your own, it's in the cure is in controlling your thoughts. Because mm -hmm. the emotions were coming from what you were telling yourself about this trip, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you tell yourself, your emotions will follow. Mm -hmm. So your emotions are like the smoke detectors. If my if these smoke detectors go off today, what are they doing? They're communicating what to me? That it's, it's a problem. Something going on. That there's smoke. Okay. Mm -hmm. That there's smoke. It doesn't tell you that there's a fire. It doesn't tell you where it is. It doesn't tell you that there's a problem. I mean, it doesn't tell you that your life is in yeah. danger. All it says is something is off. Now you have to go and investigate and figure out, okay, where is it off at? What needs to be tweaked? So when your emotions are going off, it's saying, hey, something's off. Now I have to go in and figure out, okay, where is it off at? Where we screw this process up is our smoke detector goes off and we immediately judge it as bad. And we say, oh, I feel anxiety. Something's wrong. Something's <laughs> going to happen. I already know it. I knew it. Right. And so now that you go into this catastrophe type thoughts, now your anxiety starts to compound because now I'm telling myself even more bad things are going to happen. And what if that? And what if this? And what if this happens? That's and what if that? And so yeah. at, as that thought process is happening, your anxiety is compounding. And that's where the. Um, Just. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you all the time. I would never forget. I had a panic attack and Chick-fil-A drive through. And that was when I was opening my event space, getting ready to go to Greece, contemplating leaving my job. And I just had a whole bunch of new clients. And I'm just like, it's a lot happening right now. Right. And instead of stopping to deal with it, I was like, you got to open this event space. You just fired your contractor. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in Chick. In fact, I was in Chick-fil-A and my travel agent called me and he messed up my ticket. Mm. And I was like, sir, you had one job. You had one, one job, job and I'm sitting there in Trick-fil-A and I'm going to have a, like, it feels like a heart attack. Yeah. Right. And a lady came and handed me my, my receipt. I was like, thank you. <laughs> right. In right. full blown tears yeah. because yeah. my body is reacting in that moment. What I had to tell myself is you're safe because anxiety communicates. You're not safe. Mm -hmm. Right. It feels like there's a threat. So one of the, instead of allowing my thoughts to compound on why your life is, you know, going left right now and what you got to do and you got to do this, you got to do that. I kept repeating to myself, you're safe. 
you're safe, you're fine, you're safe. Until that emotion could come down where I could rationally actually address the issues instead of responding from an emotional place. Yeah. yeah. I read a, a book. Oh, go ahead. There was a time, um, these lashes, I was going to give them up because I had once a new lash lady and I don't know what it was about the space. When I would walk in and close my eyes in her, on her little bed, I would panic. Okay. And I'm like, it's something in here. Like, I don't know. It's just bad vibes in here or something, oh but God. it happened not the first time, not the second time, not the third time. So I was like, okay, let me go back to try my other last lady to just see if it's this place. So I was fine there. When it came back to her, I was like, oh, hell no. Something is wrong with this place. So every time I would call my son, I'd be like, hey, you want to talk to me for one hour? I got to hear somebody talking to me. He's Your like, eyes closed. Not again. Go, what's she going to do? No, he was just like, we'll just, I'd be like, so what's your day doing? How you doing? My eyes are closed. And I'm just talking, like mm-hmm. laying off, like taking my mind off that my eyes are closed right. and I have to be here. And so I would just be telling her, she was like, we having like a minor panic attack this laying. So what would happen is I would lay there and I would see childhood memories just coming back into my head, mm-hmm. like just sitting there just laying or my friend died and I witnessed him getting shot. It was just all like my mind. Did she remind there. you of something from your childhood? The smell, the color, something anything in that just place? Triggered me in there. Sometimes when I laid it's down. silence. Sometimes it's silence. That's what I think it was. When I was silent, mm-hmm. I, I'm forced to close my eyes. I don't want to close my eyes, mm-hmm. but it's time for me to lay down. I have nothing else to do but just think. And I just, my mind was So she finally had the time to sit with her. Well, I can tell with you, based on what you just said, is that your your go-to coping skill is distraction. Is that chewing chewing the gum, you were distracting yourself. Talking to your son, you were distracting yourself. You hide from your own emotions. And so you find ways outside of you to distract you from how you're feeling so that you don't have to process how you're actually what's actually going on. And so when you don't process emotions, they don't go anywhere. They just sit there and they say, okay, you're going to deal with me one day. Okay, one day you're going to deal with me. And so you sit in that quiet place and they say, okay, now's the time. It's like every time I just went to her. And they were just like. Do you still go to her or no? No. Well, I would ask you, your other therapist, either the other lash tech is either a familiar environment or she listens to music or has something in her environment. Yeah, She has something. The music is playing at all times. And she's on the she's phone, good. so she's talking. She's a distractor. So I guess like she just went, and I'm just like listening to those emotions. Still there, waiting on They're ready to pop out like, my mind. So now what I do is now I listen to podcasts in my ears. So it's like my hour just runs out because I'm really being tuned listening to girl, I guess, and listening to that. So I just be like not focused on it anymore. The most uncomfortable place and the most healing place for you is going to be in silence. It is. Is learning how to sit with yourself. Ooh, yeah. And have a conversation with yourself about how you feel and what you've been through and start begin to start processing those things. Because distractions are great when you are trying to distract yourself from an emotion that you feel is going to engulf you and you're not ready to deal with it. But at some point, I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, you become a runner mm-hmm. and you run from everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so anytime something gets too hard for you, you're. Technique, your your coping skill is let me distract myself from I it so music. that I don't have to deal with it. So I'd write like write in a journal, but I have music playing and intense. Sometimes I'd be like, all right, I'll do this later. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm trying to tell myself, okay, here, yeah. let's let's write it out. Yeah. But here I am singing. Getting getting <laughs> getting to that process is, is really tough. And I'm getting emotional because I rem- like in my therapy journey, like having to sit with myself, I'm like you are aggressive. You are mean. You want to fight people. You want to. And I had to like send some text messages out to people that I've like fought in college or I was mean to because I, I had that time. So sending you air hugs because that's it's, it's, it's a process. But I was going to say I read a book called um, 
power of positive energy. Mm -hmm. And they kept on saying, like, if we want to, like, think positive thoughts, we have to retrain our mind, like, a gazillion times a day. Yes. Each time you run into a negative thought, like, mm -hmm. retrain it and reroute it. So that kind of right. made me think about and it. And I tell people all the time is every thought you have doesn't serve you. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. Every thought that I have on a daily basis, I'm the therapist and mm -hmm. I still have a negative thought pop out. The only difference is, is I don't allow my thoughts to just run wild. Mm -hmm. Right. So just because I thought it doesn't mean you have to live. I can kill you at any given time. Mm -hmm. So if a thought doesn't support who I am today or who I'm trying to become, then I have to disown that thought. Mm -hmm. I can't relate to that thought and say, oh, you're right. Maybe 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 I shouldn't be doing this or maybe that. And I start asking myself, well, Brittany, does that thought even represent who you are today? Mm -hmm. Or is that a thought from when you were 12? Mm -hmm. Right. Does that thought even represent who you're trying to become or is that you when you feel insecure? Mm -hmm. yeah. So to start actually start questioning your thoughts, because every thought is not based on reality. OK, Miss Brittany, you are even yeah. listening to what other people tell you about you. Mm -hmm. Like this happened recently, like a person just like trying to read and just like, OK, you're this way, you're this way. I could have let. Took that on and was like, damn, but I was like, uh, uh. This ain't what we learned. You mm -hmm. can't sit here and tell me about me because I really would have been like, oh, my gosh, that's not me no more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Next. Um, so our next one was, I don't Race. know, because yeah, we just totally went Being raised on oh, love. Raised or, on love or survival. Does this mindset <clears throat> play a huge role on us as an adult? Well, when you say raised on love versus survival, what do you mean? So like a person uh, being in a household where they had both parents and they were hugged and mm -hmm. said, I love you every day. Or for me, like my mom was there, but she worked. Mm -hmm. So she taught me how to like hustle and bustle. Yeah, yeah. So does that play like a huge mindset on us as adults? Of getting course. those hugs and getting those I love yous versus this is how the, the real world works. Like you got to work. Figure and it out. I think that... And I think because I've seen enough people, unfortunately, being raised in a two parent household is great. Yeah. You're going to still have issues. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't matter. So you may see their issues unless those two people have the best loving life ever be shown. Well, because they only represent one type of relationship. Right. And their type of relationship will not be the relationship that is modeled throughout your entire adulthood. Right. And so. Even the people who grew up in loving households that have supportive family, okay, well, you're going to date somebody who has trauma. Mm -hmm. How do you relate in that relationship? You can't. You can. It's work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, how can you allow your mind to go there if you've never experienced it? Like, how can you, if, if you know, I'm dating a guy that's never, like, mm -hmm. seen, a, you know, a struggle, mm -hmm. or how can and they? So, and so that's where the relationship work comes in, because mm -hmm. I do couples, too, right? And so you'll have one person who's like, hey, I can't even identify with what she went through because I had loving parents. And I'm like, okay, well, this is where you learn how to love her from her place of hurt, from her place mm, of healing. It's work. Right? It's work no matter what, right? And so even the person who had the great upbringing, they have to have, they have to learn how to relate to the rest of the world when nine times out of 10, I, there's a statistic somewhere, but I want to say it's like 90% of people have experienced trauma. So even just because they grew up in a two-parent household doesn't mean that they had, don't have their own traumas, but no one has a perfect upbringing. I mm -hmm. do not believe that at all. So. It's not about whether it's whether you grew up in a, from a place of love or survival. It's about learning what do I need as an adult to live the type of life that I genuinely want to live and not a life that is guarded, right? So what I 
work with my ladies on is helping them see how many times, because I, I say I, I did it myself, right? Um, I said in the dating world, I was like, you know what? I don't want to date nobody like this, and I want nobody like this, and I want, and I'm not putting up with this, this, that, and the other, and I'm not doing none of this, right? So I had this whole criteria of what I did not want, and what did I keep attracting? Same ones that you say you didn't want. What I didn't want because I was more focused on what did not serve me versus learning what did. Mm. And so because I knew from my dysfunctional background and what my mom did and what all they did, I knew what they had went through. That was my only point of reference. But many people don't put work into identify, okay, I know what I don't want, but what does real love actually look like? What does intimacy actually look like? What does vulnerability actually look like? Because when you give that to someone who hasn't had it, it's scary. I have that in my journal. What does being loved properly mean? Absolutely. And is the, the page is still blank because I can't. I, what does that mean? Because you get to define what it means. In your way. Because it's going to be each one of us will have a different answer for you. I know, but I can't bring myself to to. I don't I, I'm not sure yet. Like in, in a partner like mm -hmm. X, Y and Z is still blank. I wrote that in March. How do you love yourself yeah. properly? Words of affirmation, like I have to take, girl, you like mm -hmm. you can do it. You are not this person anymore. Like mm -hmm. don't, you know what I mean? Like though, that's that's how I love myself. Mm -hmm. Retraining my thoughts. So loving your proper love to you looks like affirming who you are and seeing the best in you. Absolutely. Proper love to you looks like unconditional love instead of judgmental love. Proper love, being loved properly to you. Looks like someone expect, accepting me for who I am and correcting me when I'm wrong. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when and people will correct you or correct us, we don't want to take that, what they're saying. You're like, I'm this way. You can't always say, well, I'm this way. Because, like, how many times are you going to say, I'm this way? Or that's just and like we, we talk about that. That's just how I am. That's just how I am. It's just like to me, like, and I have to say that to myself because I used to say that to my boyfriend all the time. Well, I'm just this way, and I'm like, do I want him to just to keep accepting the way I am and I it's wrong? And that's messed up for somebody. So for me, it's like, and we do talk about that. Like, well, y'all know yeah. how how I am. You can't say that because no, I don't know how you am. If I did, I would treat you how I do. Mm -hmm. And I think back to what you were saying with the guy thing. Like I be thinking about that a lot. I was just like, damn, like. How many times can you be like, no, I don't want to touch her. I don't want to yeah. do this. They'd be like, okay, you to know a point where it's like, bitch, I'm not going to touch you. You got to communicate <laughs> with him and his love language, not yours. Not yeah. yours. It has yeah. to be both. It'd be, it's tough. because it's, it's, it's tough. tough. It's, but it's I say really that because, and for you, because I definitely was the person who's like, oh, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Yeah. I don't do hugs. My best friend was so mad because I would never hug her. Yeah. And she's I'm a hugger. Way. Yeah. <laughs> But I identified that the reason why I wasn't a hugger is because my family didn't hug. Right. Yeah. And the reason why my family didn't hug is because they were fighters. Yeah. So I was taught how to fight. Right. Mm -hmm. So entering yes. into intimacy yeah. feels foreign. But here's the difference between survival and thriving, that that skill set worked for me as long as, as I was surviving. Yeah. But the minute that my life shifted into a thriving season, mm -hmm. in order for me to accept the type of people that God had for me, hmm. I had to learn how to be a lover. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's, and that's crazy. Challenging. I didn't grow up with the hugs and but in my relationships, I'm like, hug me, hold my hand. And it's she cool. say that. in my I relationships, my I am yeah. like 
stop. <laughs> like, so no, I want like, it. Shower yeah. me with it. Or you yeah. tend to like cringe up. Yeah, that's because you automatically. I'll be in the kitchen and then be you like, oh, no, like, like or you come behind me. I'm like, wait, hold up. You know, yeah. so it's just like don't do that. But like, I, how I got to learn was going back home for a while. I got to get to really know my family that I really didn't know, and I got to ask them, like, why my mama this way? You know what I'm saying? Or why I didn't be like, my aunt was able to tell me, like, our mom didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Our mom was mean. She told us tough, tough well, love. It's up to you to undo she, that. She knew. We knew, like, how I say the same thing she said to me. Mm-hmm. I said to see y'all, I knew she loved me and she provided, but we didn't know how to do that. Yeah. So I was just like, damn, like, and my mom would talk about, like, the whooping she got and all of mm-hmm. these type of things and the hurt, or I really don't think my mom liked me or whatever the case is. And I'd be like, damn. So I, when I got to, like, meet my grandma, like, not meet her, but, like, be around her for those days, I was like, this lady really mean. Like, this is why my mom She didn't have the tools so, to give you what she needed so because my mom, she I, So when I was there, I was like, she would always, I talk about this so much and talk about it on the phone, like, mom, I don't even know how to hug nobody, man, because of you. <laughs> so she, so when I was able to talk to her mom and talk to her, and I'm like, mom, your mom said, like, you know, or your sister said that you guys didn't get the hug, so I get it now. I get who I am today, too. I get who you are today, too. And who she is today, when I got to talk to her and really let her know, when I went down there and saw my mom for the first time in a while, I was more like, hey, mom. And she was like, man, come on. Give me a hug. And more loving. Right. I guess I got to, like, program it in her head or she became older and now you got grandkids and you got all these things. You got to, like, look at yourself and really reevaluate. Right. And so she was more like, Come on, daughter, sleeping in the bed with me, cuddling. I'm like, Mama, mm-hmm. I don't even know you like that. You know what I'm saying? But like in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Hey, mama, where's this coming from? But I need to accept it because you've been saying this for so many years, mm-hmm. and here I am hugging you, and you're like, it's a breakthrough. Like, mom, hold up, like back up. But yeah. it was just like accept. You know right. what I'm saying? And in my, like I said earlier, like my son, he's more like the same way. Like, mom, mm-hmm. stop. Like, I'll yeah, be like, well, yeah. come on, here, give me mama a yeah. hug. Like, oh, like, yeah. but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I always say that the motivation for me repro- doing my own reprogramming was realizing that I was worthy of everything I didn't get. Yes. Just because you were not equipped to give it to me doesn't mean I was ever not worthy of it. Right. So in realizing that, one, I was able to forgive my mom. Right. And my family for the upbringing we had when I stopped holding, holding her accountable for being mommy and I accepted her who she was as a woman. Right. And then I said, okay, well, Brittany, I need you to give you yourself everything that she didn't give you. The boyfriend didn't give you. The friends didn't give you. I need you you to to become that. How do you like how you just said when you told yourself that did it just. Or how no. do you just get? To, no, that's how I know. Like, and that's it. What, and I, but it's yeah, like, how like, do how? I, I get to the you place? Says, it's like, just do it. And y'all just, you know, y'all. No, can, you have to go. You so, know, so, so this is the journey, right? Because yeah. you're looking at, you know, a process. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Chelsea>. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is a process. Maybe Chelsea thinks she's there. <laughs> I don't think I'm there. I'm a, So what they're mm-hmm. saying is honestly, and my, this is my issue. When I was, my son is seven. When I was five six mm-hmm. years old my mom gave us up mm-hmm. she gave us up oh. um so we never really had that and i think it affected my brothers and sisters and i mm-hmm. as a whole because we're not even really close right and so 
in my day-to-day life with my fiance, I can't hug him. I can't hold his hand. I can't do that because you can. You I mean, I can, can, but like, we don't do that. Right. It just makes me sad. But like, we don't do that. And so, like, when I say like, oh, I haven't been hugged, I haven't been touched, like, it's because I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And like, Stormy, we always laugh about it, but like, I just don't know how to do it. So, like, so it was more the the major question. It's just is- more, and then for me. I don't know how to release that because I still hold my mom accountable because I just kind of yeah. feel like I'm 34. You did all of this when I was five. I'm still doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like we don't have a relationship. We don't talk. She tries, but it's just like I can't because it's like I'm on survival mode. Mm-hmm. If I lose everything tomorrow, I don't, you know how stormy you can go on. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so that's just my Sorry. Like, that's my coping mechanism because... I'm so proud of you right now. My heart is beating so fast. I'm so proud of you, Chelsea. And that's why I didn't want a therapist on here because (laughs) I just don't be wanting to, like, open up like that. Like, I have to do what I have to do for Chelsea. I have to do what I have to do for Carter. Like, I have to survive. This was good for... This is good for you. So, and this is what I would say because what you're experiencing is abandonment. So, you learned at a very young age that people I love will leave me. When you say, hey, I storm and go home to somebody, I can't. Right. Remember, my dad died and my mom got deported when I was 18. So I had to figure it just like I on you. Uh-huh. Survival mode was for me. Like, ain't yeah. no going. You right. don't got yeah. a mom's house to go. So I had to get an apartment and figure it out. Same thing. At but 19. I think in Aww. learning how to create correct the things in our lives that have hurt us, we have to recognize the storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the storyline for you is people I love will hurt me. Therefore, I learn don't love these people. Walk away from the ass. Cut yeah. them off. Keep them in Leave them before they leave me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And only give them enough to where I can walk out of this and still be whole without them. Yes. So you learned how to love from a distance. Yeah. Right? And so when you talk about why this storyline keeps recreating is because the part that's going to be difficult for you is challenging that story. Mm-hmm. Is it true that people will leave me when I love them? Or is it just true that she left? And does it have to be true that this will happen for everyone else that I love? Right? And then you have to get to a point to say, okay, do I deserve a deeper love? Mama D, do I deserve? <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's not an issue for me. Like, I feel like I do deserve. I just don't. So then at what point do you give it to yourself if you deserve it? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. At what point do you let your guy love you enough? So this... Take it all in and take those hugs. So does this mean that, like, in her relationship, she's maybe, like, emotionally unavailable because... Your she... your relationship with others is always a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. There's nothing that, that someone else can do to you that you haven't already or is not currently doing to yourself. So his inability to get close to you is your own way that you block yourself from entering into a loving place with yourself and also other people. Right. So he could love you to the moon, stars or earth universe and give you everything under, under, under the sun. But until you reach a point, place within yourself that says, I deserve this, truly deserve this type of love. Right. That I truly want this in my life because of who I am. Then I'm willing to walk the scary path to get there. The same way I wish my mama would have walked that scary path to get to me when I was five. So I'm willing to go the distance for myself that she wasn't willing to do for me. Yeah. This was good. So 
The doors of the, or the doors of the church open. <laughs> Look, I'm going because they be on me all the time. But you know I how just... many episodes I um when she first told us this before we even I think we episode one and she told and opened our maybe before episode one just kind of said and I'll be like Chelsea at some point because I don't want to rush you like how today you felt like, compelled time yeah. you no. Know? You no, because no, every episode we do talk and we have these conversations where they know, like, if I'm cool with somebody and we have a disagreement or something, like, I won't talk about it. I won't tell you what you did. Like, I'll just be like, all right, I'm not talking no more. Right. Like, I'm done. And I feel like a part of that is based on, like, just my life and, mm-hmm. you know, how I was raised. And I just got to be like, okay, I got to go on to the next because I have to figure it out for me. Right. Like I said, if everything fell tomorrow if i lost everything tomorrow there's no chelsea come home to mama you can come stay with me mm-hmm. or chelsea come like it's literally a lot of us don't have that uh, i have a mom that, but i can't what i'm gonna go <laughs> i mean yeah but you you know what i mean like if there's no i have a mom but you, like me i don't i i have a mother but she's 100 yards away like 100 yeah. miles and miles away and i think you just have to get to a point where you realize what am i blocking by holding on to this way of being because while this way of being served me when I was surviving and I didn't have people who showed up for me that way. <coughs> now that I do have people in my life who want to love me, I am doing myself a disservice. You should let me love you. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but I don't do that to my son. Like, like you said, you know, how he was like, come on, mm-hmm. son, give me yeah. a hug. Right. But you're, demi- always... you're demonstrating for him what guarded love looks like. With the, with, what is that? So how many, how, I... how many women will he fight? To no, be in you're their saying life. that you always do. No, hug but him. I always hug him. Like you're, because but I, you're demonstrating I, for him because he's watching how you relate to men. You, he's watching how you keep people at a distance. He's watching how you don't let people come close. So he's learning. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what love is. The same way you love. And then you know, he sees you not hugging Twenty years from now, he's gonna he be on somebody you. else's couch wondering why can't I let people in. I don't know why. <laughs> See how she just read you in that soft voice? See how she just read you in that calm me. tone? Finesse. Finesse. Come to me. Brittany the finesse kid. No, oh, God. Okay. What's next? Do broken people attract broken people? Of course. So. <laughs> Look. So we have broken people. And that ties into the next one because um, I have a friend, uh, shout out to JK, and we talked about this um she put up a post saying that um, she has a healing spirit. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty much like a lot of men that, you know, we date, we we feel like we want to fix them. Mm-hmm. That's not for coming from a healing spirit. Ooh, let's talk about it. That's you- that's not coming from a healing spirit. A healing spirit, even myself, I do know I'm a healer. I do know I fix Absolutely. a lot of people. But I also know I'm only assigned to certain people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Everybody who wants to work for me is not my assignment. Everybody who hits me on Instagram is not my assignment. Okay, let's talk about it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, and I say that because a healed person understands the concept of boundaries. A healed person understands that I am not a endless well that you can just drink from and think I won't be depleted. So because I have learned to protect my light, I have learned how to serve those who I am called to serve or paid to serve. (laughs) That I'm not allowed to just let anybody come and drink from my well because just because you need it, you may need it all day long. But if you aren't my assignment, then there's somebody else here to help you. And it's not me because I've been the the helper who has this huge heart wanting to help everybody. And then at the end of the the, the week, the day, you're I'm drained. Drained. You let, well, you, you're not being poured that. into. We've talked about that, too. Mm-hmm. Right. So do you pray? Um, 
before each client or eat and ask God, is this person that you sent for me? For me, literally my, my gift is very 100% spiritual. I am, I'm able to do what I do in the way that I do it because I know it's a God given gift. But when I'm talking to certain people, as they're telling me their story and as I'm talking, I can see their life as if it's a movie. And they're like, how did you know? I'm like, girl, I just saw it all. God gave it to you. I can. And so in it's certain people, like I can see them as if I see color. Right. But when I'm talking to you and I don't see that. There's someone else for you. So what do you do? (laughs) Do you say don't come back? No, I just let them know. I don't think we're a good fit. And so you do the initial. What if they say no? Like, I I want want you you to be. Well, I don't want you. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that voice, her voice, baby. Well, read you. I, I, let me work on. My, I'm gonna go in the mirror and be working on that. No, because 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 I've done it before. Where I'm like, okay, they really want to work. Okay, let, let's just try a few sessions. And those sessions are disasters. And I'm yeah. like, mm, no, I'd rather not. And in being in my the the greatest freedom about being in my own private practice, I get to pick and choose my patients. Yeah. Where when I worked in the hospital system, I didn't get to Give pick. So I was working with people that I couldn't stand. People who didn't want to be there, like I'm not gonna fight you for what you came here for. Here and tell your story. I don't want to be right. Or they come and they say nothing the entire session. Why are we here? Yeah, people come in like like you are paid. Like so, yeah, people come in there and just be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's wrong with me. My mom made me come here. (laughs) Nothing is wrong with me. So they come to me for me to affirm that nothing is wrong with them, and I'm like, I see a lot wrong. Is that how y'all start off? I cannot, I'm sorry, I cannot stand people like that. They want you to be yes men, stroke their ego. Don't don't be my friend. Don't be I I, no. Uh -uh. So what I will say is broken people attract broken people to what you said is because when you have not done your own healing work, you will always compromise parts of you that should not be compromised. You will always violate your own boundaries and you will make excuses for people who don't deserve them. So broken people attract broken people because the broken part of you still craves that broken part of them. Like you said, it's the mirror. Mm -hmm. And because I'm not willing to correct myself and call myself out when I'm out of line, then yeah, I'm going to make excuses for you. I'm going to let you keep crossing boundaries. I'm going to let you keep showing up wrong because I haven't corrected myself. And this is why I say everyone, your relationship with other people is always a relationship of how you feel about yourself. And so if you don't feel good about yourself, if you don't have high self-esteem, if you don't think you're the best thing walking in this earth, you're going to date people who don't think you are either. And or become it. friends with those people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So every next level you feel like we should be shedding, like friends or, or relationships? Yeah, it happens naturally for the most part. Yeah. How do you know be- when it's like, okay, this person's taking too much for me? and not, not- Look for friction. Right. So as long as we're on the same realm and the same place and we're moving the same direction, everything moves, moves smoothly. Right. We're, we're both going the same direction. But the minute that we change directions, you feel friction. Right. And that friction could be, man, every time I'm around her, I just get an attitude. Every time I'm around her, I feel negative. Every time I'm around her, you know, I just, you know, just feel ugh, right. Or every time I'm around her, I feel like trash about myself. Every time I'm around her, I feel like I'm, I'm being a lesser version of me. Right. That. Friction is letting you know that there's something about that relationship that no longer serves you. So I have two options here. I can either have a conversation and say, hey, this is what I've noticed. Let's talk about it. Can we get back on the same path? Or, hey, unfortunately, this no longer serves me. See, that's what I be like. It no longer serves me. So I don't be, 
But you, I feel like you have different. No, but you. No, when I feel like it's friction or something, and I tell. But every uncomfortable situation, Chelsea, does not. Uncomfortable situation doesn't mean, and every breakdown doesn't mean. Sometimes, like I tell her all the time, you can be the bigger person. You don't always have to just be like, "It's enough." You can, but you have to have uncomfortable. Chelsea, think about it. Think about even in our setting, you have to have uncomfortable. What if it's more than one time? Dang. Did you communicate to the person after the first time no. that there was actually an issue? So how could they correct their behavior? Mm. Like how could they, they were adults? They should know. No. Okay, all right. okay, I know. I know. I shouldn't be saying that in front of you now. I know. Look, she said, <laughs> I know. I know. Don't we, like you said, we have to teach people how to treat us. So we keep allowing, like, you never, you, know, you never say anything. About. So how do I know that calling you a bald-headed bitch you don't like? Uh-huh. Right. Oh. I wouldn't like that. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. you know, if somebody just kept saying that, and you just be just sitting there like, okay, <sighs> I'm done with them. You said that to me. Right. Because but, you shouldn't say that if we cool. If we're friends, you shouldn't even talk to me like that. You should know better. See? No, what they just joking. They just That's right. their personality. I put something about that. Like, watch people who always joking and doing all of that. Like, if you hate it, just say it. No, but some people <laughs> just <laughs> joke. Like, they, they joke. And... Some people, some of my friends, I can ju- I can joke with like that, and some people, and some I people can't because they 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 mm-hmm. drew the you line. And I can me. take a joke, but you know when people are joking and when sometimes people are just, you know, picking. Yeah, I, but here's the thing, because this is how you lose out on good relationships, mm-hmm. right? One of my my uh, friends at the gym, because you know the gym is where I anything I feel like the most animosity in my life is the gym. But we're running, and I don't respond to certain type of motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> don't yell at me I just that's that's the fighter in me will raise up in a minute right mm-hmm. so I'd let people know hey yelling you can you know motivate me but don't don't yell because my my natural <laughs> response yeah <laughs> right and away. so it was in the having that conversation where the one day they were yelling at me and I gave him I'm always give you an eye right that oh, eye is gonna always look. let you know hey there's a boundary there you probably shouldn't cross that and then if you continue to cross that boundary, now we have to have a conversation, right? And so it's as simple as me going and saying, hey, when you yell at me, it really makes me feel very aggressive and I want to snap at you. But that's not the type of relationship I want to have with you. So in the future, feel free to talk me, talk to me however you want to, but what, you, what you're not going to do is you raise your voice. Is that something that you agree with? Can, can, we, can we keep that boundary? Absolutely. Yeah, Thank you fair. for bringing I, it to my attention. And most times people say, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know. How would they know, Chelsea? How would they know that? You should know. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's how <laughs> but that's how real relationships grow. People don't make it married 50, 60 years without learning what works and what doesn't work for their partner, but they learn it because at some point it was communicated. Hey, this is good, this is not good. Right? And so until you master the art of yourself so that you can communicate it to somebody else. You're always doing them a disservice because they don't have what they need to be successful in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all got it. Why are y'all looking at me? No, I'm not looking. Well, that's why I'm today. That's why I keep looking at you because I'm really proud of you. When I go sign up for this lady tomorrow. I know. Really, this was really. I guess I don't need, we don't need coaching. We need people. Some of us here knew that coaching wasn't the route to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look at somebody. Yeah. Come see me tomorrow, girl. Come see me after the show. Come see me after the show. I will open up ears for you tonight. So my office will be open. 
<laughs> so list three or four misconceptions that people have of therapy and um one that a therapist can fix you okay we don't fix you we give you tools and you get to decide whether or not you want to use those tools to better your life um that therapy is just talking right and while you will do most of the talking um a good therapist at some point will always give you feedback and always reflect back to you right what's happening and what they see um, so that you can see yourself. It's like that mirror, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so they say, well, why I got to tell somebody all my problems? Because, hmm. you know, you say stuff out loud, and then you realize that didn't make no sense. Mm -hmm. But we've been making decisions off of that stuff that don't make no sense yeah. all day. Yeah. So sometimes talking out loud is where you find that reflector that you need. Um, and then I think, oh, that therapy, there's a timeline. Right. So people, most common questions say, well, how long am I going to have to do this? However long your process takes. Everybody's process is different. Right. Depending on what you bring to the table. Most times people don't even know everything that they bring into the table until we start pulling black layers and stuff starts falling out. So people try to put a timeline on it and say, well, I only I'm going, only going to do this for three months. OK, yeah, you didn't. You didn't. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how far we get in three months, you no know, <laughs> but there is no timeline to it. So as for like couples. Mm -hmm. when you see those do you get to like say okay i'm gonna just see her for a while first and then i'm gonna come back and see you for a while or do you like let us both sit in there together and you learn because how can you really learn me with him being in the room <laughs> it depends right because <laughs> no i'm not saying that i'm just saying what people just no, no, no that's, that's, a that's a good question it depends i think that um what the best part is that a couple should definitely have their own therapist outside of couples therapy. I think that that's the best ideal solution. But if you come to me as a couple, I will see you as a couple because my job is to see you as a unit. Mm -hmm. If I identify that one or both people, their individualized issues are interfering more with the couple, then I will make a recommendation to say, hey, I really think that this would work better if you were seeing someone else, right? Or seeing someone individually so that you can show up here. That's if that person's individual issues is disrupting the unit so much that they can't make progress. But um, if you just come as a couple, I'm going to see you as a couple. Because I know the reason why I asked that, because the lady next door, it was always, it had couples, but she'll have, like, the guy be standing out there for a long time. Maybe she want to whisper something. He's beating me at home. No, you know? no, I'll see it happen a lot. <laughs> she was like, the guy will be waiting, or someone will be waiting, or lady will be waiting. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's not out of the ordinary, right? Especially if, you know. <laughs> You know, it's every process is different. Every couple is different. So it could be that, hey, I need one on one time with you, one on one time with you. And then we come back together, especially if, you know, trust is typically an issue. I mean, you was watching hard. I was flying, like, what's going on? She's watching all her sessions. The uh, <laughs> lady next to you was watching all the sessions. No, the reason why because the door was always open and oh. the guy always stood in. It's interesting because I remember that desktop. You know that de time, that table we used to always sit. So interesting to me. Okay, so like on, and then on couples therapy, they would give recommendations. Y'all need to part ways, or y'all do you do that? No. Or at the end, or you, you say, let them figure it out through no. the process. At the no. end, then you say, "Hey, don't go talking about what we just spoke about," because usually, like when I went to therapy with a, a couple therapy, it was like when you get in the car, do not go talk about this session because all you're gonna do is just go fight. Well, yeah, I will say that. So like. I don't give recommendations, period, whether you're my individual client, couples therapy, because one, my job is not to make up your mind for you what you think you should or shouldn't do. Yeah, there are people in very dysfunctional relationships and they're like, hey, help us stay together. Cool. 
If, if that is your goal. But the session, throughout the session, you should see that this isn't, like, once you start unpacking. Right, but yeah. they get to make that decision for yeah. themselves. Okay. I don't make a recommendation. Leave and him, sis. <laughs> <laughs> I can be thinking that, but I'm yeah. like, and what I will simply ask them is, based on how this relationship is going, does this feel like love to you? That voice. I know. I think I know. so. <laughs> Does it feel he like love? he loves me and stuff? Right. And so then then I'll ask, <laughs> well, and it's, it's simply just showing them. OK, so you say this feels like love to you. You've cried five days this week. Is that love? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Crying the call. <laughs> right. So then I just start reflecting to them. Right. Because in dysfunctional relationships, which comes a lot from your childhood, we will create a definition of what we think love is, of what we think family is, of what we think relationship is. And then we find people that meet that definition, not never questioning that the definition was wrong. And so now I have to get you to see, okay, based on what you've defined this to be, is this reality living up to that? Hmm. Because people get to choose. Every, and everybody has different levels of dysfunction. What I think is dysfunctional, somebody else thinks it's great. <laughs> This is normal. <laughs> right. And so you we get got to, two black eyes. It's not for me to tell you what's right and wrong. You know, you get to live your life and you get to choose your life. My job is to help you be happy with whatever life you choose to live. Okay. I got two more questions. <laughs> um, do you do you feel like everyone should go to therapy? Of course. Hmm. Did so so the <laughs> To the guy who DM saying, I ain't nothing wrong with me. I don't need to go to therapy. A lot of people, guys. But I'm sure. It's people going, it's, it's, it's it's gonna say, it's people going to therapy because of him right now. And that's what I be saying. I go to therapy because you won't. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So in, in the reason why people, that's another misconception. People think that you only go to therapy when something is wrong. Right? If like. you go to therapy when something is wrong, you have already created a whole bunch of chaos that now we're cleaning up before we can even address the problem. If you go to therapy before, you know, things start falling apart, we have a better job at actually preventing more damage from happening than waiting until you can no longer manage it. And now you're coming in in crisis mode. Right. So you go to therapy even when you feel great and you feel fine and say, hey, I'm just here for a checkup. The same way you go to your primary care. Say, I'm just here for a checkup just to see if the way in which I'm living my life, the ways in which I'm thinking actually serve the type of life I want to live. That's really what you do. And it's in that process that you realize, okay, either I'm great, good to go, see you in another two years or whatever, or hey, I didn't realize that I was blocking out my emotions from this ex-relationship I had. Okay. So the next question too is from um, one of our followers. They were asking about being emotionally unavailable. Is mm -hmm. that like, what are the tools can you use? Is that something that you can undo? Mm. Listen. <laughs> was it a guy mm -hmm. yeah so when I worked with uh, my combat veterans so all of my guys served Pete and Iraq and Afghanistan so their job was to go overseas and kill people and watch their friends die mm -hmm. in order to cope with that type of environment they have to shut off their emotions right and so they come back and now wives and girlfriends are like why don't you love me show me that you love me well they just can't spent two years completely emotionally numb so that they can survive a combat zone. So now I have to teach them how to re-engage their emotions so that they can be emotionally available for their spouses and the people that they love. So typically, especially for men, 
Unfortunately, they don't have to go to a combat zone to learn how to shut off their emotions because we've been telling them to do it since they were kids. You're too sensitive. Suck it up. Get up. Nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And so as children, they're taught that manhood means you don't feel emotions. Mm -hmm. And so in order for me to be a man, I got to be hard all the time. In order for me to be a man, I can't cry. I can't show how I feel or it's considered weak. It's considered, you know, gay, homosexual. Mm -hmm. It's considered soft. And because I don't want to be those things or define myself as those things, now I shut off my emotions to be perceived as a strong man. Mm -hmm. And then they get married or they get in a relationship and we're like, you know what? I can't do this anymore (laughs) (laughs) because you're not emotionally present. Right. And so now we want them to turn off. However many years of dysfunctional thinking that we fed them in the first place. And so the game is really rigged for men in mental health, unfortunately. And this is where a lot of my male patients, they're, I can't remember the statistics, but especially during the pandemic, the statistic of men committing suicide went up. And the reason why is because in the middle of a pandemic, in the ice storm in Houston, that men are built to be identify themselves by what they are and what they do. So when they go through a recession and they lose their job, they can't operate the way that, that, that they, they're used to operating. They're, they lose their um, system that they've built to provide for their family. And then you physically put them in a situation, if you're in Houston, where you can't do nothing to take care of your family. It puts them in a state of mind of feeling as if they're useless. Because we've told them you're only valuable based on what you provide. Ah, didn't we talk about that on the last episode? Right. And so we and we hold it against them because God forbid you don't show up one time. You're not a man. Now I'm going to question your manhood. And so society has created um, a system where they have to present that they are tough even when they don't feel like it. And so now they become internal volcanoes that eventually erupt. And when they erupt, they're either going to explode on other people or they're going to explode on themselves. Yeah. And exploding on themselves is where you see self-harm, suicide, sabotaging behaviors, right? So in order for men to start correcting that one as women, we have to give them space. That truly loving the men that we want in our lives means I love you as you are. I don't need you to change, don't need you to do nothing, don't need you to be fixed. But if being emotionally unavailable is not fulfilling to you, how can you... So it's loving them as they are is different from holding them accountable. Okay. Right. Loving you as you are says, Hey, I love you. Want the best for you. But in order to have access to me, because this is where women get it wrong. You give access to men who aren't emotionally available. And then you say, you need to be better. Well, well, sis, you let him in the gates. So you can't let him in and then change the rules when him being emotionally available wasn't required to get access to you in the first place. So again, (laughs) Loving him means I won't give you access because you're not ready. But I see the best in you. I want the best in you. And what men want is for us to stop telling them who they have to be. Since when, if I see one more post about, oh, he gay. I saw y'all fall Kev on stage where it was, somebody mm-hmm. was like, um, he, he won't lemon in his water. I can't date nobody with lemon in his water. Why? <laughs> Just, what about his manhood is linked to lemon and water? What about his manhood is about whether or not he likes pedicures? What about his manhood is about, you know, how he wants. Let that man be. Stop telling him who he has to be for you. Because the minute he the becomes that, like you're going to still tell him he's not enough. 
Because I have a friend. I'm sorry. I'm passionate about this because I worked with them oh, for four years. Yeah, so I when I see the, 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 grown men. <laughs> we do. He, 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 yes, he called me today. And he's straight as, straight as can be. But he is someone like Tyler, the creator. He's open. Like, he's. Paints his nails. He wants to paint a pinky. But he's like, am I assumed that I'm gay if I right. do that? And I was like, well, you know what the difference is? I mean, you care too much. You got to worry about what you feel, what makes you happy, right. instead of sitting there feeling like, if I paint my nails, am I gay? If you know you ain't gay, then you ain't gay. You right. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But he's like, but if somebody said that to me, that's where I might go to jail. So I was like, then you're not ready for that stage right. yet then. You, you shouldn't do it until you're very confident and you know right. who you are as a person. So for me, it's like, I was telling him mm-hmm. like, hey, you don't care what anybody think. Because if you don't like my hair, well, I do. Right. So why would you care? So. But I feel like it's more common in black men. Like, you know, because Travis Barker and all them white boys, they paint their nails all the time. And they yeah, all and then no one says anything. Their girlfriends, and I don't think they get ragged on, but it's like, I think it's more common with, like, the black men when they yeah. do it. It's like, like, that's oh, your, your game. Yeah. 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 Let a blank, like, black man paint his fingernails. Let mm-hmm. paint that, tell him paint that pinky. Mm-hmm. Take, what I said, paint it for <laughs> Paint the pinky. Oh, he's like, yo, like, we going to the nail shop tomorrow? This when he said, I said, just for you, somebody like you, Carry your nail remover in your car just in case you feel like, okay, this is just too much. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't but do I don't it. think that it's, it is too much for me if I saw, I mean, it just depends. I don't know. Yeah. Like, oh. I got to read your persona to know, like, okay. It's not my thing. I don't know if I would like it. I mean, I'm and, not, and, and you get to do, you get to make that decision yeah. for yourself. Self. But mm-hmm. what you don't get to do is to, is to, to take that man and then say, do better. Yes. And then say, be better. And the reason why so many men have been hurt by doing that is because one, it started with their mother. Mm -hmm. You act just like your daddy. Mm -hmm. You look just like your daddy. (laughs) Right. And so mama was already judging them based on who their dad wasn't and wasn't. And then they gave them responsibility at five years old. You know, you're the man of the house. Yeah. yeah. The the mama wanted the man. Ooh. That's what I don't like. Oh my gosh, you talking. That ain't your man. So at a very early age, (laughs) they were not allowed to be who they are. And so when you talk about becoming emotionally available, they shut down every emotion that they had because that's the only way I'm going to survive this. Black men, we love you. We love black men. White men, Asian men, Caucasian men, whatever kind of Do you have a lot of male clients? Cause you got real passionate about about the media. Yes, yes. So men come to me all the time. I'm, even on Instagram, um, I go live every Tuesday night, which I didn't text him, so I wasn't there tonight. But oh, um, um, here. a lot of men follow me because um, I think my style is just I'm. Um, it's the voice. Soothing. <laughs> and you so I was going to say, I'm not the regular therapist, mm-hmm. um, but I'm very challenging. And so even when I was working with my guys, what is, say, what's I don't. What's a regular therapist? Well, Okay. Yeah. You I just want the red Corvette? To, like, touch you a little the bit. red or the Corvette or the van? Or the van. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Corvette. I don't want no damn van. <laughs> but with a regular, like, yeah. So I'm very just, direct. Yeah. So I'm I'm very direct. Slow paced van. Right. You're gonna always feel loved and understood, but I'm very direct. Like um, that. like and that's okay. when you're treating trauma, you have to be very direct. I'm to direct. The point. So I need I need somebody to handle me. So. <laughs> But right. that's what you say until you be in there crying and just be like, no, no, no. My therapist, right. she makes me cry. Like, yes, she, she does. Yes. And like that's how you, you got to be uneasy. You walk out of there like very happy. uncomfortable. And that was it. But I yeah. haven't been uncomfortable in a long time. So it may be. And it could be that now. you guys Part just need to change. My cap and gown. Or just <laughs> change your goals. 
maybe the goals that you've been working on have expired and you need new goals to go to the next stage. Because I also kind of feel like I'm backsliding a little bit with my attitude too. I haven't been as patient and haven't been giving people the grace that they give me. <laughs> That's possible. Y'all laughing because they know it's true. I'm just laughing at all of us. No, I'm, but I'm very self-aware. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I'm self-aware too. I was just like, no, you're not. Get no, out of here. Girl. I, I, <laughs> this is, after today's episode, you're not self-aware, okay? Now, moving forward. Um, so we always give the recipe of the day. And today's recipe, Chelsea. Go ahead and take this one home, baby. Because well, I gotta take it home. This one's I'm for you. Do the recipe of the day. Oh, um, no, I I think the recipe of the day, um, with everything that we talked about, is just um, be self aware, mm-hmm. unpack, <laughs> and go to therapy if you need it. Nika, what you got? I think the recipe of the day should be sit with yourself. That sums mm-hmm. up this this episode. That's always one of the things. Stormy, what you think? No, definitely what she said. Sit with yourself. Really, like she said, for me, and that one was for me, for sure, Mm because I definitely need to sit with myself more often in a quiet zone and just take it all in. Same. So what what do you think um, would be the header for... Mm. Our recipe is with, like, a one-liner that ties, like, everything Everything together. And that's why we said that. I like sit with yourself. Yeah, I like sit with yourself. Yeah. With that voice. I talk too much for one-liners. I do. Sit with yourself. Sit with yourself. This was good. So the whole episode was dedicated to to, to yeah. sitting with ourselves and the tools that we need to get there. Brittany Noel on... Where can, find, um, where can they find you yeah. on Instagram? All platforms. Yeah, all platforms is Brittany Noel. Um, you just spell my name right. B-R-I-T-T-A-I-N-Y. And then Noel, like Christmas, N-O-E-L. Um, so at Brittany Noel on Instagram, Facebook, um, how can somebody book with you? Yeah. BrittanyNoel.com. Uh, just go to my website. I do a group, which my next group coaching is actually going to start September 20th. Mm-hmm. So if women would like to be a part of my group, they can apply for the program on my website. We do an individual to see if they're a good fit. And if so, then they can start in the group. Um, if they're not ready for the group, then we always have individual sessions How's available. The group, like you guys meet up and see each other? Um, so it's all done virtually. <laughs> so it's all, all it's all done it's all done virtually, and th- that's the other benefit of me doing private pay is because I have clients worldwide. So with private pay, typically I could only do Texas mm-hmm. um, because that's the licensing board you would be on. But um, I have clients in um, Canada, I have clients in Mozambique, Kenya, um, a little bit of everywhere, London. So I'm able to okay. see people all across the world. So, um, yes, but my next group will start on the 20th. It's all virtual. So we all meet virtually and, um, I only take 10 people in that group. So it's a very intimate group because we do a lot of deep work and that group is geared towards helping women really do their own inner work, um, so that they can really evolve into the next expression of who they're going to be. Um, so we focus on their vision. We focus on their purpose. We undo a lot of the storylines that they've told themselves about who they are and start challenging those things so and that group is six weeks so that'll be my next group and then of course individual sessions and I'm going to start doing boot camps so my boot camps are like three-day sessions that are open to anybody um and my first group uh, boot camp is going to be in September and we're doing attachment styles so this is where I'm teaching on a very specific topic and attachment styles is teaching you showing you the patterns of how you pick your partners 
why you pick your partners, why you're attached to certain people, and why you crave unhealthy attachments, and then teach you how to actually create a secure attachment. So that will happen um, the end of September as well. Okay. I'm going to be emailing you. <laughs> no problem. Info at BrittanyNoel.com. It's out. Okay. Chelsea Chills. Oh, what are, oh what the recipe of the this is the, this was our oh this was our episode um <clears throat> a very intense episode for me can I touch you as well you can touch me you're uncomfortable a little bit um but no I'm gonna work on it I'm gonna work on it and um I'm dealing with it so this was a really good episode I knew it was gonna kind of be intense but I'm happy it happened and um. Yeah, so you guys make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Nigga, why are you holding your chest? Because I'm, I'm, I'm overjoyed. Um, like, you comment, subscribe. Do the <clears throat> what we got on? What's going on? I, I don't even want to do with the recipe of the okay. stuff. I just want to sit with myself. And oh. I want to sit with myself for the rest of the night. And um, I, I really don't even want to talk about my outfit. Like, I don't really care. Okay, we that. can close it out. Right. So, Alrighty. this is our episode. And peace. Peace. Love.